Grinch was perched atop his overstuffed sled, which tottered precariously on the precipice of a sheer cliff. He was straining to hear a great wail of lament rise from the Who village when they woke from their slumber to discover that all their Christmas gifts, their decorations, and the food had been stolen while visions of sugar plums danced in their dreams. But as the town folk stirred, the sound he heard making its way up the valley toward his cold and cruel mountain cave was not sobbing, but rather singing. His plan had failed. He had not destroyed the Who's Christmas, but had instead shown them what the true meaning of Christmas was. He had unintentionally taken the stuff out of the way so that they could focus on one another and the love that they had between them. But the Grinch is not the first person in history to try to destroy Christmas. Almost two millennia before Dr. Seuss penned his classic holiday story, there was a real-life Grinch who attempted and also failed to destroy Christmas. His name was King Herod the Great. He was the puppet ruler over the land of Judea at the time of Jesus' birth, as we heard about in the last Gospel reading. He was the one that the wise men visited as they sought out the newborn king of the Jews. And this evening I would like to look briefly at three reasons why Herod wanted to kill the baby Jesus. But I would also like to make a connection to our lives today, because there is still a Grinch named Satan who would love more than anything to erase from our minds the true reason that we celebrate this Christmas Eve. And so first, Herod tried to kill Christmas because of jealousy. Herod the Great knew what it meant to have his position threatened. Two years into his early reign in Judea, a man named Antagonus overthrew him. He fled to Rome to beg for Caesar's recognition and backing as the truly appointed leader of the area. And so Rome reinstated him, but made him prove his loyalty time and time again during his reign. His kingdom was always in danger of toppling. Enter these wise men from the east, men who were envoys from another country bringing tribute to a king. The only problem was that they were not there to see Herod. They were there to see the actual king of the Jews, not this vassal king of Judea. They were there to worship him because they had seen his star, a celestial sign validating the divine blessing over this new ruler. Now imagine Herod's reaction. I can just hear him in bed at night talking to his wife. I never got my own star when I became king. Why does this no-name usurper get one? I didn't have foreign emissaries from the east come and worship me and give me gifts. And so he's jealous, and I'm sure he's throwing a king-size tantrum. But because of his experience and his political savvy, he does not tip his hand to the magi, to the wise men. He wants them to do the scouting for him to find out who is this one that is threatening his dynasty. Speaking of this dynasty, Herod had three sons who ruled after he died, and their history is a major bloodbath. It reminds me of the 1978 TV series my mom watched every Friday night called Dallas. <laughs> J.R. Ewing and his bro brother Bobby were always fighting each other, and it seemed like everybody else stepped on their ranch at South Fork. 
And so in their hunger for oil and power, they destroyed themselves and their families and had practically everyone in the country asking the question, who shot J.R.? For you youngsters who don't know what I'm talking about at all, just check out the YouTube channel that says, Best Fights of Larry Hagman, and you'll see what I'm talking about. So Satan is alive and active this very evening. And the very reason that he fell from his lofty position in heaven was because of jealousy. He wanted to be like the Most High God. He wanted to co-rule over all creation. And when Jesus came in the form of a human baby, the devil thought this was his big chance. It had finally come. And his sole purpose was to destroy him. But when Jesus rose from the dead, what Satan thought was his greatest victory became his final defeat. And from that point on, all of humanity that placed their trust in the sacrifice of Jesus for their sins could be forgiven and escape from Lucifer's greedy clutches. And so this is why Black Friday has become a national holiday. This is why you see nativity scenes in front lawns being replaced with giant inflatable Santas. And this is why there are probably more people going to the movie tonight than there are here to worship the king of the universe. Satan knows that a direct assault on Christianity has not been successful. And so he chooses instead distraction. If he can keep us focused on getting the ultimate Christmas experience for ourselves, instead of focused on what Christ has done for us, he wins. Secondly, we see here that Herod tried to kill Christmas because of fear. History shows us that Herod the Great was a ruler in the same order of men like Stalin, Hitler, and Castro. He used intimidation and threat of death to hold tight reins of power. He killed his own wife when he found another woman that he liked better. And some of the religious leaders of the area began to oppose him, and he had them killed. Quoting the historian Josephus, he was the evil genius of the Judean nation, ready and willing to commit any crime to gratify his unbound ambition. He was a bad man and didn't want anyone telling him that what he was doing was wrong. And so news that the Messiah was about to be born probably didn't fill him with great joy and expectation because he knew the stories about what this man was coming to do. He was going to bring about conviction of sin and a glorious and sinless era. But Herod was enjoying his lifestyle. He was enjoying his sin. And we see this played out in the life of his sons as well. When his son was having a, an adulterous relationship, John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, was declaring it unlawful. And so he threw John in prison and had him beheaded. Satan is actively trying to keep people bound in their sinful habits because he knows that the best way to keep people separated from God and from the forgiveness that he wants to offer is to keep them in that sin. This was the case in my life. I knew the truth about Jesus and his sacrifice for my sin. But in my teen years, I had certain things that I wanted to do that I knew were wrong. And until I finally repented and turned away from those sins, they were separating me. They were a wall between me and God. And at that time, I would even go to religious services when I was in my sin. 
My grandma would invite me to Christmas Eve service, and I would try to focus on the music and the experience, not the message that God was trying to get through to me. And some of you sitting here tonight fall into that category. Satan is trying to kill Christmas in your hearts. He's whispering tonight in your ear that this going to church and living for Jesus is for radical people who need a crutch to get by. And the main weapon that the devil is using to keep you stuck in your place is sin. You have pet sins that you don't want anyone telling you that are wrong. You don't want anyone telling you that getting drunk on the weekends is not good. You don't want to feel guilty about that affair you're having. You don't want to try to control what you watch online. And why is Satan so bent on keeping you in this state? Is it because he likes you and he wants you to have a good time, unlike that horrible father called God, who's so restrictive? I've seen this situation in many divorced couples. One of the parents will let the child do virtually anything because they don't want to be seen as the bad parent. They want the kids to desire to be with them. And are those parents doing that out of love? No, they're doing it out of fear. They don't want to be abandoned in their old age by their children. And Satan is kind of like that. He offers you anything that you want as long as you don't become a follower of Jesus. But it's not because he loves you. It's not because he likes you. It's because he's afraid of what's going to happen when you become a Christian and you begin to declare that message. Finally, we see here that Herod tried to kill Christmas because of pride. He had been outsmarted by the wise men. Actually, it was God who warned them in a dream to not go back that same way. And now he was going to show them about who was boss. He was going to solve this problem by killing every boy under the age of two in the region of Bethlehem. And this showed his ruthless nature more than any previous sin. Do you know that the sin of pride is actually probably the most difficult to put up with in other people? But the one that we have a hard time seeing in ourselves? It repels us. And it's said that people overlook almost any sin in another person except for pride. Because pride says, I deserve more than what I'm getting. Pride is ingratitude. And Herod didn't even recognize the fact that he was ruling based solely on the fact of God's gracious favor. Pride is a great killer of Christmas. We see it in the spoiled child who doesn't like his present because it was the wrong cover, color. We see it in the arrogant shopper who demands to see the store manager when all the hams that were on sale ran out. But mostly we see it in people that don't even recognize what the holiday is about in the first place. They look right past the babe in the manger. They overlook the greatest gift given to mankind and instead are focused on the tree and the food and the gifts. Now don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. They're all a wonderful part of Christmas. But the reason that they're wonderful is because we are grateful about the king of kings, the one who's given us so much. What if you were having a birthday bash? You had it catered, 
You spared no expense for the cake and the decorations. You even bought gifts for your guests. And then a neighbor shows up to the party, blows right past you at the door, runs in the kitchen, starts eating all the food, walks around, looks at the decorations, thrilled that he's getting a gift, but the whole time he hasn't even acknowledged the fact that it's your birthday. Jesus is getting this same kind of treatment from the majority of people celebrating his birthday. Wrapping up tonight in conclusion, I want you to consider what happened to the Grinch when he heard that sweet music coming from the Who village. How did it affect him when he realized that his evil scheme had not killed Christmas for the Who's? Well, he could have reacted like Herod did. He could have reacted like Satan did. He could have lashed out, destroyed the presence, burned down the village. But do you know there was still a spark of love in his stony heart? That pure joy in the form of music had touched his heart and set it ablaze. And perhaps tonight the music and the lights and my words have caused a spark in your heart. Perhaps there's some love for Jesus, the king, there. In Matthew 12, 20, it tells us that God is not going to snuff out a smoldering wick. Even if there's just a little spark inside of you for Jesus, you have hope. The devil wants you to walk out of here tonight, open your presents, eat your ham tomorrow without a thought about this message of Christmas. He wants to kill that message in your heart. And so my question to you tonight is, will you let him, or will you respond like the wise men who came and bowed down before the newborn king? Let's pray. Father, I pray for each and every soul here tonight. I pray that you would fan the flame in their heart, that they would have a, a love for you that would be sparked this evening, that none of them, Lord, would walk out of here without coming to know you as their personal Savior. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you, and may God bless you the rest of your day.